the Ask Anything podcast because some things are better said than read. My name is Peter LaRuffa, and today I'm going to be answering this question. Why doesn't accountability work? Pretty broad question. It uh, leaves a lot to be assumed. And so I'm going to set it up this way. I'm going to talk about the concept of accountability in the Christian life. And then I'm going to explain to you many reasons why I think accountability relationships, accountability systems tend to fail. And then in an upcoming episode, I'll talk to you about how I think they would be best set up in order to succeed for people to change, for people to grow, and for God to be glorified. So it's important to remember that the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. We see this throughout the Old and New Testaments. Uh, In verses like Ecclesiastes 4, beginning in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep warm alone? And so there you see it's laid out for us that there's a benefit to having more than one person. And of course, it goes on to say that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. But the point is two are better than one. It's uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter two, we see the Lord God looking down on all his creation saying, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him, fit for him. And so loneliness, uh, flying solo throughout uh, the Christian life has never been something that you'll find throughout the pages of scripture. Uh, Consider the New Testament as well. Uh, Verses like Galatians six, verses one and following. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let me also read to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. Paul says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So there, right there, you'll see a couple of things. Number one, helmet of salvation, uh, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. In the whole, that picture that Paul is painting of the, the full armor of God, you'll notice that there's another, nothing protecting your back. Uh, so turning your back on sin or trying to fight spiritual warfare alone is not wise because as much as you may grow in your walk, you'll never be able to see your blind spots. And so it's essential that we have people in our lives to walk Uh, the Christian faith together, to run this race together, to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, Verse 18, again, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray for one another. Right there, there's an opportunity for people to be helping one another by praying for them. Verse 19, Paul says himself, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. And so there you see the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. We need one another. We are family. Our life, our walk with Christ is a community project. Uh, Dr. Paul David Tripp said something like that. He's a book with a title that's similar to that. Our walk with Christ, our life should be lived in community in the context of a local church 
and within the family of God. And so when people talk about accountability, usually they're saying, I'm going to define it as this. Accountability is when Christians seek out the help and support of fellow Christians, another brother or sister, to help bear the many burdens that come with spiritual warfare. It's an effort to reach out to someone else to say, help me fight well. Help me put off sin well and put on the righteousness of Christ. And the question being asked me is this, why doesn't it work? And that's kind of hard to answer because I roughly defined accountability based on my own, like just what I think accountability is, but I don't know how you have it set up. I don't know the context. Uh, I'm really not sure exactly what you're talking about, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to outline several reasons why I have seen accountability relationships, accountability partners basically just fail, why they don't work. And it's usually because of one or several, sometimes all of the following reasons. All my opinions, take them for what it's worth. First, peer accountability rarely works. Peer accountability, when I refer to that, it's it's people who are in the same or similar season of life. Maybe they're wrestling together with a same sin or a similar sin that they're seeking to put off, and they seek to wrestle through that process together. And they think, if I get to do this with other people, if I can be fighting this fight with other people, it's helpful. In a sense, it's helpful to have other people in your life, of course, when you're, when you're trying to fight the good fight of faith. That's always helpful to not do that alone. Uh, but there's problems baked into that setup. First of all, if it's someone else who is fighting the same sin or having the same struggle that I'm having, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. You'll usually find those relationships to be heavy on compassion, but light on holiness, because it's kind of like, how can you really call me to a standard that you yourself are not yet hitting. And it we go into that Matthew 7 mode of, can I really take the speck out of your eye when I haven't removed the log from my own? And it rarely works. They're usually heavy on compassion because that's what they can give freely and abundantly. And it's usually like, oh, I know. it's I know, man, it's so difficult. I struggle too. The struggle is real. I know, man. And when you think about it, when you're trying to live a life in holiness, you end up leaving comforted for having confessed your sin, almost comforted for having fallen into the sin, with someone saying, I know how difficult it is, I know how the struggle is so real, but it doesn't necessarily push someone on towards holiness. It usually results in some form of talk therapy, where you just talk about how hard it is, how the struggle is real, how it's we live in such a dark world and there's temptations everywhere and all these other things, all of which are true, but I gotta be honest with you, in my experience with sin, in my own life, I'm pretty compassionate on myself. I don't need other people looking at me telling me how it's really not that bad. If I'm coming to somebody for help, for accountability, I usually want to be spurred on toward love and good deeds, like the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 10. I don't really need the talk therapy. I'm a hugger. I love hugs. But in this kind of a situation, when I'm seeking to really grow and really kind of uh, really fight really pointedly and purposefully to grow in holiness in a certain area of my life, the hugs are not always what I need. And then sometimes it's the other side where you, instead of the hugs, you get the hard talk, right? So come, someone's coming at you like, you got to stop, man. You got to take this seriously. And it's all this like drill sergeant talk. And then you leave that conversation feeling as if you have suffered the penalty for your sin, almost as if you have uh, repented just because you've confessed and you think that you've actually reached a mark that you haven't reached yet because you've just confessed. So I'm not a fan of peer accountability. I don't think it typically works. Long distance accountability is not best. 
So lots of people who, let's say, I live in the northern Kentucky, greater Cincinnati area, and someone says, oh, I got an accountability up in Minneapolis, an accountability partner up in Minneapolis who I keep in touch with once a week, and we text each other all the time. An accountability relationship between two people who rarely see each other doesn't typically work or doesn't work as well as it could if the accountability was more local. The distance enables you to be whoever you want to be. This could be done consciously. This could be done subconsciously where you're just telling this person the things that you need to tell them, but the other person can't tell if there's been a change to your demeanor, a change to your normal lifestyle pattern. They can't see if you show up to church in the middle of the first song and leave before the benediction. They don't know if you're attending your community group once a week or once a month. Um, All they have to go on is what you're telling them and that's not typically best. They can't really see how you're doing. They can't really respond to something that they might, uh, maybe just like a little bit of a, of a, a glimpse of something they might see in a facial expression or your demeanor to say, what's going on? Is something, is something up? Help me understand what's going on in your life. And just the infrequency with which these people meet with each other, whether they're texting or calling on a phone or, or Zooming with one another, it's typically not best. Long distance accountability is typically not best. Um, spousal accountability is typically not best. I get a lot of pushback from this. Hear me out. I don't think spousal accountability is best. I'll stand by it. Your spouse is likely not going to be the best accountability partner for you. Listen to me. I'm 100% in agreement that the spouse should be involved. They should definitely be looped in. Um, It's definitely helpful for that one flesh relationship for us to be bearing those burdens together, right? I agree. But as far as an accountability partner for someone who's really going to help you grow in holiness, I have found that spousal accountability isn't best if that's the only person who is the accountability partner because they'll do one of two things typically. One thing is they'll be too easy on you. The other thing is they'll be too hard on you. Um, There's too much at play that seems to kind of uh, go against the grain of the one flesh, same team relationship that we see within the scriptures that I don't think necessarily makes for the best accountability relationships. Listen to me. I'm not saying spouses shouldn't be involved. I 100% agree they should be involved. But when it comes to actual accountability, someone who's really going to call someone to account for their life uh, to help them grow in holiness, I think the spouse should be involved, but I don't think they should be running point. Um, Same sin struggles sometimes isn't best. Sometimes people think it's best because someone has struggled with this sin and they know that the struggle is real, and I get it. Um, They know blind sides. They know how... Uh, You could be talking yourself out of or into certain situations. I think there's some value there. But see, I actually think it's more helpful for somebody who doesn't struggle with that sin because, again, I don't need that compassion. I need someone calling me to holiness. I don't need a drill sergeant, but I need someone who's going to lovingly speak grace and truth to my life and not someone who goes, oh, I know, man, the struggle is real. And so let's say there's someone who's like, I uh, am a kleptomaniac and I'm constantly a thief. I steal things all the time. Somebody else who's also that or was that, for them to be like, I know it's really wrong and you shouldn't do it, but I've been there. I used to do it. It's really terrible. You're always stealing things. You're always robbing banks. It's not a good thing. Um, That's not helpful. For somebody else like me, I'm not a kleptomaniac. For me to look at someone who's like, you know what? I always steal stuff. I'm going to look at them and be like, that's... Jack, that's wrong. That's bad. You should not do that thing at all. It's almost helpful to have the other person say, 
oh, that's really messed up. That goes against the word of God. That's conduct unbecoming of a Christian. For someone to remind me of the standard of the word of God, not remind me how hard the struggle is and what it might be like to wrestle through that. So I actually think sometimes it's best to get somebody who loves the Lord, loves you, but doesn't have a history of struggling with that same sin because they'll remind you just how ugly it is and just how righteous the Lord really is. A couple more things. The confession cushion ultimately does more harm than good. The confession cushion. Um, This is what I mean by that. People confess their sins to one another, but that's it. Lots of times in an accountability relationship, it's just confession. They feel like they're in a better spot because they're known, they're not in the dark about their sin, and that's good. It's always better to be in the light. Everything's better to be in the light. But more is required of someone when they want to grow and change than just confessing their sin. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Great. So you should confess, right? But the end of that verse says, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Sometimes accountability relationships end up just being a confession cushion where there's just the comfort of having confessed, the comfort of not being alone with your sin anymore, but it doesn't always lead to repentance. Uh, And finally, another reason why accountability relationships don't always work is oftentimes the wrong person is doing what I call the heavy lifting. Uh, The person who is trying to provide the help does more of the work than the person who actually needs the help. And that's when you get situations when the accountability partner is like, I'm going to call you every day. I'm going to text you once a week, whatever it is. And then life happens and they don't. And the person falls into sin and they're like, I'm sorry for my sin, but you kind of let me down. I mean, you said you were going to call me. Listen to me. The only person who can bear the burden and the weight of your sin is Jesus Christ. You will never find that in an accountability partner. And so if the accountability partner is doing more of the heavy lifting than the person who's seeking to grow and seeking to change, that accountability relationship is not going to work. Hopefully these are helpful. I don't know what your situation is when it comes to accountability when you ask this question, but I think these are some of the top reasons why accountability often doesn't work. I'll review them once again really fast. Peer accountability rarely works well. Long-distance accountability is not best. It should be local. Same-sin accountability sometimes isn't best. Even people who have had victory over it, they can provide help, they can provide comfort and encouragement. I don't think they always make the best accountability partners. I think spousal accountability is not best because sometimes I think it, uh, well, I explained it before. I don't need to explain it again. You can rewind the video. Confession cushion ultimately does more harm than good. If accountability is turned into just a confession cushion, it's going to provide comfort where it doesn't belong. And finally, accountability relationships don't work if the wrong person, namely the person who is providing the help, is doing more work, doing what I call the heavy lifting, than the person who is requiring the help. I'm going to do a second part to this episode talking about where I think accountability could be set up so it will work. How can we combat these reasons why accountability typically doesn't work and put things in place to not say, let's just give up on accountability. I don't like that at all. But let's put things in place where accountability really would be fruitful, where we would see iron sharpening iron, where we would see people really bearing each other's burdens and people growing and changing to be more like Christ, to grow in holiness for the glory of God and for their good. So thanks for tuning in. Once again, my name is Peter LaRuffa. You can ask questions anytime through the link in the bio on my Instagram profile, or you can look for the stories to be posted usually on a Monday or a Tuesday. And I can't wait to see you again.